0: Welcome to episode 154 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR and the father of the most beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. And we are coming off of an airball kind of week. Yes, that's right. It is not easy to take stone zeros in the playoffs, but man, I took three of them in various lineups during Wild Card weekend, John Brown. 40 routes on 41 Josh Allen dropbacks, zero catches on four targets. Titans only get off 50 plays, get dominated by the Ravens defense. Corey Davis gets banged up late. He airballs. And then the one that stung most, you know, the most painful one, I would say, arguably, arguably the most avoidable one was the Ronald Jones situation. So, So make no mistake, Ronald Jones was going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers feature back on Saturday night against the Washington football team. He was going to get all the early down work, the goal line work, but then, unbeknownst to anyone apparently, Jones hurts his quad in warmups. In warmups, and it was so bad that he couldn't even play. He left the Bucks with only two available running backs: in Lenny Fournette and Keyshawn Vaughn. So of course, Lenny plays eighty-five percent of the snaps. He gets nineteen carries. He gets four targets. He scores a three-yard touchdown. Finishes with twenty-three DraftKings points. Just you know, max punishment, max pain. And so of course. You know, as you guys know, I have this personal responsibility obsession. Like, I refuse to blame Rojo. I refuse to blame Arians. I refuse to blame the NFL. You know, it's on me. But how could we have avoided this airball from Rojo? And honestly, I'm coming up empty, man. Like, as far as I know, no beat reporters, no writers noticed Rojo getting hurt in warmups or not being out there warming up. It's just not something they're looking for. I mean, how often do guys... Miss entire games because of warm up injuries, like 1% of the time, half percent of the time. So I'm not even sure if my idea of a dedicated fantasy only beat writer for each team would have even worked in this spot. There's just no way to know that Ronald Jones wasn't going to play. Just have to chalk it up, I guess, to all in the game, you know, and move on. So I don't really feel negatively about the Ronald Jones things. I don't think that there's much we could have done. One thing from the Saturday slate, though, that We could have done is listen to the age model, a washed up T.Y. Hilton, 31 years old outdoors in cold weather at 5K or a 22 year old Michael Pittman. I mean, dude is burying T.Y. Hilton in both the age model and the PSM. He was only thirty five hundred. I mean, I played Hilton over Pittman and and that one hurt. I think that that one hurt for sure. The good news was that I didn't play very big. This past weekend, I just didn't feel great about the edge that I was creating. You know, one thing about small slates is you don't really give people a lot of opportunities to hang themselves, you know, like on a 12 game slate, people can get so overwhelmed and they can miss so much and they can really just roll out some absolutely egregious stuff that is a huge underdog. But on a three gamer, you know, in today's climate of DFS, like, you know, on Saturday, if you had a pulse, you likely played Josh Allen. Steph Diggs, Cam Akers. On Sunday, I thought there was a bigger edge, but it was generated through fading Derrick Henry, which I knew was right. But honestly, I didn't feel great about it. Um, so I didn't play too much cash on Sunday either, because I was like, well, I can either fade the big dog for to create the biggest edge. But man, I didn't feel great about fading the big dog. I knew most of the, my opponents would be playing the big dog. And so Yeah, so, oh, one thing about the Sunday slate, and and I know I've talked about this before, but Sunday night, it was just so clear. Yes, in a vacuum, using a defense against your quarterback does not correlate well. It's around negative 0.19, you know, pretty easily the worst correlated positions, quarterback against opposing defense. Best correlated is quarterback with his own wide receiver one, of course, at positive 0.54, just to give some reference. But as you saw from the Browns defense big Ben Roethlisberger stuff, there's literally nothing better for a good quarterback to get pick sixth, you know, or some defensive touchdown, like no time comes off the clock. The quarterback has to lean more pass heavy. The defense plays a bit softer. It's just total Yahtzee. So as someone who had Lamar in the cash that I did play on Sunday, you know, as soon as that pouncy snap went over Ben's head on the first play of the game, I knew it was big trouble. And this was extreme, of course, you know, so many turnovers and quick Cleveland points and Pittsburgh you know, couldn't run the ball anyways. And Ben is so good at racking up big numbers in these situations, but, you know, just wanted to take a minute to point out the DST versus quarterback. It may not be optimal, but in these extreme situations, it can work out, you know, especially on a short short slate. All right. Last thing I wanted to talk about from wildcard weekend is the fourth down decisions from coaches. And I really do hate to talk about this because it's so, so easy to pile on. And, you know, everyone does it. I mean, everyone is just ripping these coaches every week about fourth down decisions. Everyone loves to point and laugh in some form of, look how smart I am, I am. Look how dumb these coaches making millions of dollars are. But God, I mean, the decisions made on Sunday by Vrabel and Mike Tomlin on the punts, I mean, you don't even need to be smart. You don't even need to be able to do math or have an analytics eye updating win probability. Like you just need some plain intuition. Matt Davidao, uh, one of the sharpest sports betting guys out there, he tweeted that Tomlin's punt gave up 7% of win probability. 7%. I mean, I would cut my dick off for 7%, and Tomlin is out here just giving it away, like literally punting it off. But anyway, all that stuff. Uh, again, you don't even need that. You don't even need you know, the win probability stuff. The thing for me is like just have an aggressive mentality in games, not just in football games like poker, Uh, But in all games, you know, like uh, in poker, in chess, in Monopoly, whatever, like if decisions are at all close, I just try to take the most aggressive line, you know, especially against the most common opponents that you'll face. Um, But anyways, you know, if Tomlin or Vrabel just have this attitude, you know, forget about the math. It's just it's just no question. Fourth and short from the other side of the 50 and we're trailing. We're going for it. We're aggressive, period. So, yeah, it's just crazy, man. Those are some absolutely uh, absurd punts, obviously. Um, Last thing about the wildcard weekend. So I I get that, you know, uh, DraftKings and FanDuel posted uh, six-game slates. And I always knew they would. The problem is that by making the three gamers the main slates where all the big tournaments are, where all the contests are posted, they push everyone there. The content is there. The shows are there. It just is what it is. So I know a bunch of people tweeted to me like, hey, Adam, you know, they listened to us. They posted a six game. Yeah, I get that they did that. And I did play it a little. And I think the edge on that was bigger than the three game. Um, but in terms of interest, if it's not the main slate, people just aren't going to play. Casual people aren't up for juggling a ton of different slates in a weekend. So I was happy to see that for the divisional round, DraftKings made the decision. And I was actually shocked. You know, I, I think I was surprised, but they clearly listened to the backlash of people who wanted this. And they said for divisional round, it's going to be a four-game main slate. All the biggest tournaments, all the biggest contests are for the four games. So it just creates so much of a better slate, not just because there's more games, but there's so much more theory. How are you doing when you go to bed on Saturday night? Do you need to swap in between each game? Do you need to swap? There's just more options. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the four-game slate Uh, for sure. We'll have uh, established a show with me, Wiggins and Silva on Friday night, Leone and Dink on Saturday morning for the tournament show. And then uh, we're adding a pregame show, which will be free on YouTube. Be sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube page, Saturday, 3.15, right before the 4.30 lock. I'll be on with Silva, Wiggins, and Leone for a special show. So, yeah, excited about this slate for sure. Before we get to today's listener questions, I want to remind everyone, this show is brought to you by our good friends at Established the Run NBA. I don't think people realize what it takes to manage projections and. Uh, have the best content for NBA every day with everything that's changing constantly. Um, It is a massive undertaking. We no joke have seven people uh, working on the projections. And so, um, yeah, it's a lot. And I think that it's worth it in the end. Basically our product includes everything Dink thinks you need to win at NBA DFS. He's the king. Check it out. If you have not yet. Okay. Enough is enough. It is time for everyone's favorite portion of the program. Bruce Luke, hit the theme music. All right, got a ton of good ones. Appreciate the questions. As always, question one comes from Grant. He says, do you take down your head-to-heads that don't get picked up before lock, or do you allow them to be auto-matched with other posters? Yes, I take them down, unquestionably. Yes, I cancel them. I could probably count the number of times I've forgotten to cancel my unmatched head-to-heads before lock on like two hands. And for those of you guys that don't know what Grant is referring to, basically, if you post head-to-heads and no one takes them by lock, DraftKings and FanDuel will auto-match you with someone else who has open head-to-heads still posted. And so what happens is you get action against someone else who's willing to post and take on all comers. In other words, it's likely someone competent. Maybe that person isn't great, but if they're out there posting, accepting action from anyone who wants it, you're, you're, you know, they're not going to make egregious mistakes, you know, like they're not going to miss news. They're not going to miss obvious value, whatever. So generally speaking, I don't consider auto-matched head-to-heads great action or even good action. And that's why I cancel them. So yes, I'm canceling all of them around two or three minutes before lock um just part of my routine. Question 2 from Smythe he says is legal weed and gambling a factor in your move to Colorado. Uh no. Uh, not at all. You know, not even 1%. Like let's be honest. I can smoke all the weed I want and bet all I want right here in Pennsylvania or anywhere else I've ever been. And I'm not even talking about, you know, medical marijuana which is now legal in Pennsylvania or legal sports betting which is now live in Pennsylvania. I'm talking about before all that, you know, I I assumed that everyone who wanted a chief tree or anyone who wanted to fire on sports, you know, was doing it already. It was so accessible to anyone who really tried, you know, I thought, but man, I was wrong. I mean, I was just, just dead wrong. Like I assumed wrongfully that everyone who really wanted to bet on sports was already doing it bookies offshore, you know, anything, you know, so easy. It's not true though. Apparently. I mean, it's hard to know for sure. But just anecdotally, it seems like so 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 many more people are getting into sports betting now that it's legal. You know, um, just friends who who never really bet before that I have are just betting twenty dollars a game. You know, and then there's also sharp people taking it more seriously too. It really has felt like a shift since it has been legalized here in Pennsylvania, and that surprised me. Again, I thought everybody who was into it was already doing it because it was so accessible, anyways. But I guess some people just like want to go by the letter of the law and have it really accessible. And maybe some people are susceptible to the marketing that the companies are doing too. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Question three from Jeff. He says, any chance you guys can provide baseball DFS content? Um, Honestly, we haven't talked about that or any other sports at all. Uh, For me personally, I don't think baseball is it. I think something a bit more fun, Something weekly, something with a lot of variance, something that is a good sweat, that would, you know, that's the kind of thing that would be worth adding, maybe. Um, And, you know, that sounds a lot like NFL, right? And to me, that's golf. Like it really does remind me, golf really does remind me of NFL in some ways. It's just not as complex as NFL because the players don't interact with each other at all. Like NFL is so much deeper and more interesting because of all the correlation and the roster construction stuff. But the weekly aspect of golf, you know, it's fun. Um, there's a lot of variants. I, I think golf is, is super interesting and, and, and fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, we want to be sure we can genuinely help people. Um, and we want to be sure we're really the actually the best something before we roll it out. So, so we'll see. Question four from, uh, bro. He says, where are we at with bar soap? Yeah, we're in, we're in on bar soap big time. Um, almost exclusively use bar soap, the hard stuff. I get that it's a bit thin on the germ side of things because we're reusing the same surface over and over, but man, there's nothing like a good lather. And I'm also real anti those loofah things, you know, that the that the low T, you know, the weak minded gel soap people use, uh, you know, those loofah things are not for me. Question five from Ralph, who says, Adam, we need you on some sort of Kama Sutra type podcast for the next nine months. Can this somehow be arranged? Yeah, you know, it, it was really nice. Uh, got a lot of notes after the regular season ended that people wanted the solo pod to continue year round. And that, um, that honestly means a, a lot to me. I really do appreciate that anyone is interested in my insane takes. Um, I'm not sure about a show where I just take listener questions without something to build it around. Like, obviously this show is built around the NFL DFS and there's some intersection of that and life and, and jokes or whatever. And, and even if not, you know, it kind of goes together, I feel like. But just firing up the pod and answering listener questions, you know, maybe that works. Maybe, I don't know, but I don't think it's ideal. Um, Definitely plan to do a lot more interviews this offseason. Evan and I plan to do a couple pods a week during the offseason on all kinds of fantasy football and and real football topics. Like also, for the record, I'm expecting best ball action to be really popping all offseason. So, yeah, all those pods will be free, of course, on this feed this offseason. But we'll see where we can mix in. Uh, solo pods type stuff too. Question six from Eric. He says, "Did you catch any of the disc golf coverage on ESPN two recently? Have you ever played?" Yeah, the disc golf. I, I have not. Um, I, I, I I'm what I would refer to myself as a fake hippie. Like ideally, theoretically, I'm into peace and love and nature and Birkenstocks and camping and canoes and music festivals and Women with armpit hair and tie-dye shirts and hemp internet and granola bars and and going disking and watching disking on ESPN2. Like in theory, I'm into all that. But in reality, I mean, I'm into it, but I'm not all the way in. Like I'm into peace and love and, and psychedelics and the Grateful Dead and fish shows and, and nature, but I'm not into camping. Like I'm into staying in, I'm into staying in nice hotels. And like I'm into, into new stuff, you know, new dogs, new houses, new clothes, you know, not dirty stuff. You know, I'm not into weird trail mix. I'm into good food and I'm into sports like basketball and tennis. Um, I'm not into disc golf, you know, although I've never played. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there's some some happy medium, like uh, for sure, as I've gotten older, I've found that my happiness correlates with being outside for sure. And that's one big reason we're moving to Colorado just to embrace like a more outdoor culture. But in terms of going full-blown hippie, like living and dying with concerts and going discing and living off the land, like, yeah, that's not for me. All right, question seven, last question we're gonna do today comes from William. He says, this year, my father-in-law Bill and I started researching DFS together and I've had good results in tournaments. In this time researching DFS with Bill, I have grown a great fondness for him. Of course I love my wife, but I think I might be falling for Bill. How do I tell my wife, how do I tell my wife that I'm in love with her father? How do I tell my wife that I'm in love with her father? I feel like the stress of this situation is starting to affect my DFS. I feel like the stress of this situation is starting to affect my DFS results in a negative way. And I want to get back to being a win player. And I want to get back to being a winning player. Yeah, uh, good question. Good question, William. I see. I actually see this question a lot. You know, the 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 passion and the lust that one feels for another human in, in the throes of working on DFS lineup together. You know, it's it's insatiable. You can't resist it. A, a fatal attraction, if you will. Um, so yeah, I certainly don't blame you, uh, William. There's no fault here. There's no reason to feel bad uh as for telling your wife that you're in love with her father uh i gotta be honest man that's gonna be a tough convo that, that that's a tough convo uh man i always think that in life generally speaking uh the best policy uh is honesty and, and rational and good people see things from from both points of view but but this is uncharted territory i gotta be honest i'm curious how it goes let me know um Yeah, honestly, I didn't have a great answer for that one. I just thought that the question was so funny. I I wanted to read it to you guys. So thank you for that, William. All right. That is going to do it for today's solo pod. Be sure to head to the site to check out the NBA. Season is in full swing. We also have a ton of content up for the NFL playoffs, of course. We're running a playoff-only special. You can find that on the subscribe page of the site as well. For producer Luke. For Jerry. I am Adam.